Welcome to Sullivan Street, the Banshee episode, where we will talk all about the Banshee tour with Dashboard Confessional and our own experiences going to the shows. But first, as always, let's say hi to my co-host. Now, Chris, usually I start this off by saying, hey, Chris, how are you today? But this is not a normal how are you today, because less than 24 hours ago, you actually saw the Crows live in concert. Yeah, I'm definitely great. You didn't <laughs> have to. Ha- you didn't, it was. It was no question that I was going to be pretty great if I had real good tickets to see Counting Crows last night, and they played for two hours, and it was a, a delight. So you know what? What am I going to do? Feel feel down about that? I'm... No, no. That 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 sounds great, and I'm looking forward to. I mean, that's pretty much what we're going to start. I mean, we have a couple of things we want to talk about on the show today. So uh, we are because it just happened. We're going to talk to Chris about his. Um, live in-person review of the show yesterday, which I actually looked up. Um, I, well, what's the name of the town? It's on Long Island, right? That you went. It's well, yeah. Uh, Jones Beach. Jones Beach is the place on Long Island. Te- the the city is technically Wontaw. Right. Um, right. <laughs> right. It's uh, but it's uh, people know it as Jones Beach. I you know I don't. I growing up, I until until I got old enough to start looking at tour dates and understand. That like see like oh Jones Beach and see like Wontaw next to it and I don't think I knew that Wontaw was the name of anything. Right. So so we will talk about your your experience in Wontaw last night, less than twenty four hours ago. Um, then we're going to talk about all the news that's uh, been happening and just our uh, thoughts, reflections on this Banshee tour. And there actually is quite a lot to talk about. Uh, then I will get into my experience seeing, I guess you could say, the tour kickoff, which I actually went to the Hollywood show at the Troubadour. So there are a lot of exciting things to talk about. And then we will get into a review of a past show in Hollywood. Uh, more details about that in a bit. But uh, Chris, why don't you start us off? And I do want to say that I actually counted right before we started the podcast and I believe it was show number 14 out of about 55, 56 dates that they are doing on this tour. So it is a long tour, like you said uh, earlier. And uh, yeah, so your thoughts. They're er- yeah, they're early in the tour. Um, I Again, I, first of all, thought they sounded great. Um, one of the things that, you know, we'll talk about a little bit is like the sort of variety of the songs. And one of the things I think sometimes that gets confused when people are talking about a band, especially like hardcore fans, is they'll get like, oh, it's Omaha again. Okay, yeah. Um, but and, and variety doesn't isn't the same as quality, right? And and while yes. people who want to see the band a lot and have at different times might sometimes have a, a comment about variety, the band sounded fantastic kind of all the way through. I thought Adam was in really good voice, particularly again, it was kind of a a rough evening. It was just kind of a muggy evening, you know, the kind okay. of the kind of night where you're like, I feel bad for a band playing two hours when like standing here is kind of a little bit oh, oppressive, right. you know, you're kind <clears throat> yeah. of, you're, like I'm sweating pretty hard, just like standing and existing and watching this, which yeah. means if you're under lights and like actively performing for two hours, this is probably a pretty long night. Um, but, uh, but yeah, they opened, uh, I think, a subtle nod to us, Eric. They opened with <laughs> Sullivan Street. I was gonna, I was gonna text you that last night, and I was like, "That is really nice for Adam to start yeah. with Sullivan Street, acknowledging the hard, F, hard work we're putting into this podcast." <laughs> and I was hope that was, I was kind of hoping they because they've mostly opened 
with that around here on this tour. Uh, Mrs. Potter's once or twice and maybe back at the front, there might've been something else that, that maybe came out as the opener, but um, the, they've mostly been sticking to those two. And I love, I love here in Sullivan street and they have, so great to see them. It's a great starter, right? It it really is. Yeah. It's a, I think a great way. I really like, I think we said when they play that sort of slower song to really bring and build the tempo there. And I think especially the, the way they play Sullivan street now, Yes. I think is really, it really is a great starter. Um, they went into Richard Manuel. Um, I should pull the set list up. They went into um, that'd be a, that'd be a good thing for me to do. They uh, they went then into uh, Mr. Jones, which is they, they know, like kind of... playing Richard Manuel a a lot. I, I guess I don't have a lot of thoughts about it. I always found it interesting that that seems to be one of their. I guess it officially is a was a single of theirs. Yeah, um, but but I don't know. It's just an interesting. They obviously like that song. Yeah, and I, I like it too. I mean, I was kind of um, just being at Jones Beach. I'm always kind of hoping for like hard candy in that space. Just that's always literally I was actually about-, about to say that I can't because they I, I can see them not pulling that if it's not something they play, but they play hard candy a lot. So I'm so surprised that they didn't play that there. But they're not a band that always does the song, you know, in the... Uh... I know. My friend thinks that they are, but they they are not. And I think when it happens, it just kind of uh, is lucky. I, Yeah, I've been to D.C. a couple times, the era, at least that D.C. metro area. And, uh, um, you know, they want them to play... Um, uh, St. Robinson, because they mentioned like the ch- shores Chesapeake. of the Chesapeake and stuff like that. But but I think it's it's more luck when it happens than uh, they did. Actually, I realized I just looked at it, they did play they when they played Long Island last summer. They did, which was not at Jones Beach. It was in like the a club um, called the Paramount. They did play Hard Candy. So they sometimes it's not it's not they always avoid it. But yeah, it's not it's not a guarantee that they're they're going to play. It. Oh, what, one thing I did want to ask. I'm guessing it was sold out or or to capacity. No, or, actually, oh. it was not. So it was. Uh, I, I, again, I I haven't looked at the rest of the tour in terms of ticket sales. I don't tend to focus on that. But while it was a good sized crowd, there was definitely the upper the very upper area was pretty open, and there were definitely. Um, some open spaces. I actually ended up, I, I sort of stocked out tickets and I was able to buy for sort of the like regular price after all the premium VIP and whatever had fallen off. Um, I bought second row tickets yesterday or, the, or Friday, the day before the show. Um, which and you was had nice. tickets before though, right? No, I hadn't bought them because I saw, I was like, oh, I want to be in the first section. And I saw that they hadn't all sold very quickly. And I was like, I'm just going to, I know I'm going to be able to get something pretty good and i'll just kind of wait this out and that ended up paying off fairly well um so even though you told me a month ago you were going to this show you actually didn't have tickets until the day of the show and that is a difficult emotional thing for me and i could talk to you for like hours about how i feel about Ticketmaster and the fact that they've basically made it like a wait like they they've, they've put so much on concert goers where they put so much of the risk on us by like jumping the prices up at the beginning and then dropping them towards the end like they basically act like a scalper now um and obviously look i'm not i want to totally derail the show I, I i'm a believer absolutely you should get whatever price you can for for the tickets and that should go to the band and not actual scalpers but it is a, a frustrating thing i find i like like getting on during the pre-sale and just buying the tickets and being like i'm going to the show as a 
opposed to <laughs> waiting at the last minute. But that's kind of where we're at for like concert tickets now for things that aren't going to actually like fully sell out. Um, but no, you have me thinking because I've been. I, you have me thinking that if it, maybe for us, like really hardcore Crows fans, including our audience, that that maybe if you can get in the pre-sale, great. And if not, it does not hurt to wait to the day of. <laughs> well, and the part is you got to watch it, right? You just kind of got to see, like, because again, I'm not looking at every show, and every show is in different. This is Jones Beach. It's uh, a theater that held, holds over ten thousand. I think. It's oh, like I didn't 13, realize 000. that. Okay, that's quite. Yeah, a big, it's a big. Yeah. It's a big, you know, outdoor theater on the okay. on the water. Um, and so there's a lot of space there. And so if you're going to a show that's in a bigger space, I, again, take a look and maybe keep an eye out there and, you know, um, actually, but so the fun thing is, so Mr. Jones, I teased this to you when we texted yesterday, Eric, I I told, I told you I had a moment with Adam. Um, I had an Adam thing to talk about. So I was in the second row. I was wearing a a reproduction of a vintage, uh, recovering the satellites t-shirt and Adam, sits down on the amp um or the monitor pretty pretty in front of me during one of the the slower parts of Mr. Jones and he kind of like looks and he can see my t-shirt he sees my t-shirt and I'm like I think he's looking at me and he's like like points at it and kind of goes gives it like a, a very nod of approval kind of like a thumbs up and then like goes about the song and I was like oh apparently oh, he likes great vintage counting crows t-shirts um so yeah that was a nice moment right, i was close he, enough that he could literally just look at me and go like oh i like that guy's t-shirt no it's funny they did it they did a recovering the satellites like redo t-shirt last year but it's not with the satellites logo i don't know if you saw it. it's almost like a, i think as an lp logo or something mm. but you're right i haven't seen someone with a vintage which i used to own one of those recovering the satellite t-shirts in a long time so i i'm glad he appreciated that he was, yeah, he's appreciate. I'd love to, again, maybe if we ever get him on the show, we'll talk. Because he loved, the one thing I, I know that I could talk to Adam Duritz about if I needed to would be vintage band t-shirts. Because he seems to really yes. like band t-shirts. And, and, and I and, also really like band t-shirts. So Yeah, and so does Bryson's always wearing, right? He likes to wear Ramones. There's a couple that he yeah, likes yeah. to wear. And I think I've seen Millard. Uh, well, Millard changes it up. He has different kind of vintage t-shirts, but I've seen him with some band t-shirts as well, which I've never seen Charlie or Jim wearing band t-shirts. Right? No, that's right. Yeah. Um, um, okay. So after that, Jones, they went into they went into Colorblind. Um, and that's, interestingly, this is kind of a spot, and we'll talk about this maybe more later. It's kind of a spot where they always have done Adam's been talking a lot during this tour. And here he said, look, I promised too many songs to people, so I can't talk. But what he did mention, one of the things he has been saying a, b- a bunch on this tour is he's talking about Butterfly in Reverse and um, how it's a song that his girlfriend, you know, asked them to play. Nagged right. is the word he used. I'm not using that word. <laughs> right. um, he, but asked him to play. And last night, interestingly, which I hadn't heard him say before, he said that uh, he is, uh, there's another song she's been asking him about. But he's still really into playing Butterfly in Reverse. Now I'm curious what that song is. Mm, I'm very, my mind went to like, what could she be demanding? Um, that would maybe be in the genre or something of Butterfly. Like, right, someone, right, I, I know what you're saying. Someone who would, ran, not randomly, but pick that song out as being underplayed. What other song are they? Yeah, I'm so curious, right? Yeah. Uh, my, if I have to guess. Yep. And I'll I'll go I'll go on record saying this, and we'll we'll see because eventually <laughs> yeah. I assume he will break down and we'll play it. My guess is Amy hit the atmosphere. 
Oh, and I, yes, and I hope that that's what it is. I th no, I think that's exactly yeah. That's that's a great call. I was going to like something I didn't believe but was hopeful. I was going to say barely out of Tuesday, mm. which I, which which for some reason I just think that she would like the song, but you know, right? That has other right. But that would be ballsy. That'd be she's like, yeah. look, I feel very secure in this relationship, and so right. I want you to play the song you wrote with next. I think Amy had the atmosphere is exactly right, so I'll 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 join the bet with you. We can we can okay. go in on that. <laughs> um, but yeah, they're butterfly in reverse, Omaha. Um, but then interestingly, kind of a longer section in the middle here than they have played in other places. Um, I wish I was a girl, which I always really liked, which Adam I, introduces I, a song I... about disconnection. I love that song a lot. It's a great song, and this is that's this is a song that I thought was a you know in their in their heyday or you know when when they only had three or four albums I thought was like a for Crow's standards was like a five out of ten song and like ah I like it I you know it's fine but now I absolutely love that song and and there's so many subtle improvements in the live version I think now I don't know if you catch like they they do more effects with the guitars and stuff like that adding yeah so anyway I what I actually noticed I in this Immy was playing a very cool like clear guitar that he did not play for anything else but he played it for I wish I was a girl um it was very very cool looking and he, part of what I thought was interesting and I had noticed didn't hadn't noticed it before he's playing slide at times on the song but not at others so that might be part of the sort of effect aspect of where you're hearing the slide versus not hearing the slide guitar. Yeah. Um, I yeah, but I thought it was a really, I really, I I really like that song. Um, and uh, yeah, for for those yeah. that don't like, at least in my, you can compare their uh, studio version to even if you listen to the one. So it's five years ago now, but for they, there's a video on the official channel for "I Wish I Was a Girl" from the 25 Years and Counting tour. And it's pretty close to what they play now. And as I said, that that anyway, I think it's a great version. So okay. Yeah. And then right into a song that's actually, and Adam didn't mention this, but it's a pair in a sense, which is Goodnight Elizabeth. Um, and a pair, for those who don't know the story, right? Uh, Goodnight Elizabeth is about the girl that Adam was dating when he went the, when they went on the August and everything after tour. Yep. And I wish I was a girl is a, about the same relationship, right? The idea that she wouldn't believe him, that he wasn't cheating. Um and, uh, but yeah, so good night, Elizabeth. Again, also, it's one of my, when we talk about recovering the satellites, I'll talk, I could talk for hours about good night, Elizabeth and all the million versions of that song. I always love that song. I think it's one of the, like, uh, it's one of the, like heart songs of like, I think if you love the crows, it, it, it to me is one of their like most, um, crowsy songs, right? Yes. The heart of that song is very much like. Someone who loves Counting Crows, I can't imagine who loves this band that wouldn't love the last verse of this song. Uh, if you wrap yourself in daffodils, I will wrap myself in pain. If you're the queen of California, I'm the king of the rain. I can't imagine who's not like doesn't get excited for that. If you also if you happen to love I can imagine people who don't like that. I just can't imagine both liking Counting Crows and not liking that. Um, I do know that for it'll be interesting when we review Recovering the Satellites. I, I it is my impression, and I'm not saying it's that high on my list. It's my impression that that is 
for a lot of Heart of Crows fans, that's their favorite song from that album. So yeah, I, I understand what you're saying. Yeah. By the way, I'm when not you sure mentioned, if it's my number one, I'll think about it. But I, it's certainly one of my favorites. When you met, I, just because I'll throw it here because you mentioned it, I, I I forgot about the connection between the two. I wish it was a girl. Good night, Elizabeth. But remember that I mentioned that when I first heard Desert Life, it was like that I was on a road trip right when mm-hmm. it was released, and we listened to it over and over. But I think it was the first time or the second time we listened to it, and my friend. Uh, looks at me after I wish I or during wish I was a girl and said, boy, that Elizabeth must have really screwed him over. <laughs> like he said it just so subtly. So because uh, he always loved Goodnight Elizabeth. OK, so it's true. Sometimes you, some of those relationships, they linger. Right. Um, the other interesting thing I will note just about the, the way they've been playing the song on this tour. Um, obviously, they've still been doing Pale Blue Eyes in the middle. But one thing I noted, and I, I can't. I don't recall them doing it in the 2021 versions. And if I heard them play it last year, I don't recall them doing it. Um, he's gone back to using, at the end of the second verse, say, uh, singing The Moon is a Satellite, which he had dropped mm. for so long. And that's mm. kind of slipped back in. Although I actually think, I actually think that was, he mu- that must be recent. I don't even think that was in there. I feel like I would have picked up on it on the XM show that you went to, which we'll talk about more. They did open with that song. And I, I think he's at some point, in the last month or so, something popped into his head and he likes that line again. It sounds, he sounds mm. great belting it out. So, uh, uh, they went into Miami, uh, a bit of a shorter version than they've been doing on this tour. Um, I think begin because he said they, they've got too many songs, but they've, uh, in a lot and a lot of the versions of Miami on this tour, they've been telling the sort of long version of the story in the middle where Adam talks about, um, the story that, again, if, you've, if oh, you if right. you have heard the you you may have heard right, which is, you know, he's what's behind the song, right? He's waiting in Miami. His girlfriend's plane is coming down. Um, it looks like it's flying into the sun. Um, that gives him this feeling of foreboding, and then the relationship ends, and it ends badly. And he is left thinking to himself, if if you knew that, you know, this was all going to be screwed up, well, what would you do, right? Which is um, which I, I, I well, again, we'll talk about Miami at some point, really detailed. But I always love that. I think it's a beautiful um, that middle of the of the song is beautiful, and I really loved. There was um, when they were developing that. It's crazy to think it's fifteen years now. Um, Two thousand eight was when they started doing that, and they were doing it every night. And it sort of it was before that became um, kind of a standard in the middle of the song, and so they were kind of working it out. Um, and I really love a lot of those versions of the song uh, because uh, and those if you if you get a Nug subscription, all of the 2008 tour is on Nugs, friends. So um, you can go back and listen to a bu- just a bunch of Miami's from 2008 and see if I'm uh, see if you agree with me or not. About that, that Those are good. Um, after that. Uh, they went into a song. We talked on the first episode, right, about how we. First question to me, Eric, it was talk about like seeing a white whale. And I was like, you know, I'd been chasing the song Speedway for 10 years. Oh, I forgot that you said that. that was one <laughs> and then year. they finally played it last year in Port Chester. And it was a really nice moment because I'd been like hoping to see them play it for so long. And then the next year I go see him again. They play Speedway again. I mean, you have a magnet for this thing. Now I'm going to see it uh, for, for decades. I, I Again, I love the song. I was super happy to see it. A lot of people sat down around me around this song, which, again, I said, it was really hot. I think people were getting a little tired. And it's a, certainly a less popular and slow song. But yeah, I love that song. You're happy really to glad. see it. Yeah. I was stoked to see them play that. And he sounded great. Um, 
he introed it by talking about how the uh, uh, Ben's original name for it before it had a name was you should just call it I'm out of here, you bitch. Oh, um, <laughs> oh, so so as, well that's interesting that he that, so he mentioned ben the previous drama he mentioned ben okay yeah. that's interesting i've never heard him mention ever in any interview or on any show so that's interesting by itself yeah exactly yeah very rarely i mean i, I think it's you're right i mean it's, he does not talk about ben a lot but he mentioned uh in that context here uh after that and this is an interesting one for me he played washington square okay which is a new york song well and i was thinking about this so the first time i saw the crows uh, was August of 2003, so almost exactly 20 years ago. We're uh, six weeks or so shy of that. At Jones Beach. Um, so same place, because um, it's where I went to a lot of concerts, you know, growing up. And that night that I went to see them was the first time they played Washington Square. So here I okay. am 20 years later. Yeah. They're still playing the song. They're still. I'm still going to see Counting Crows shows. It was kind of a nice, right, right. kind of like full circle moment. It was also kind of interesting because I was thinking like, I had second row last night, as I mentioned. I the the first time I was at almost the very very top of that place. Like we were like it was a hike. And unlike so Jones Beach, it's interesting. So most of this kind of shed venues that you would go to in the summer, they are flat. Right, they basically they they go upwards a little bit, but there's a big lawn at the back. Jones Beach doesn't have a lawn. Jones Beach is like vertical; it's like stands. So it goes there's like multiple sections, but it goes up, 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 and up. And so if you are in the upper level, um, you are one very very far away from the stage. But it's actually kind of a cool. It's I was talking about my wife about this last night because it's like you're right on the water. You are you are right on the ocean, and when you're up close, obviously you lose the benefit of that because you don't see the behind you. It's it's on the sides of you, but if you're up at the top, it's actually kind of beautiful on a summer evening because you're kind of taking in. You see the boats on the water and people. It's kind of a nice view from a little bit further back that you kind of lose when you're close. So uh, pluses and minuses in that regard. Okay. Um, also makes which I'll we'll talk about later, but they. Um, Obviously, they played a long December, and it does make the line, it's been so long since I've seen the ocean, feel very wrong. Because right, you just, you just kind of want to scream right out, there. like, it's right there. It's <laughs> over there. I can see the ocean as we speak. You saw the ocean. It had to have been no more than 90 minutes ago. <laughs> Has not been that long. Um, yeah, after that, they played Big Yellow Taxi. A note. So a note here. Um, we had noticed through the evening that there were a couple of children, one kind of like teenager, one maybe a little bit shy of a teenager, who had been coming out and handing the guys the guitars. And my wife and I were kind of making jokes about like, oh, child labor a little bit, guys. Jesus, yeah, yeah, you know, right, right. I, I know, I know, times are hard in terms of like getting crew members here, but I mean. Well, what I'm guessing you're about to say, and I've seen them so many times, they've never had a child doing anything like that, and they have a set crew, so there's something probably special going on, and that's probably what you're getting at. Yeah, so uh, on Big Yellow Taxi, you know, Dave Bryson plays Shakers. Yes. And it hits me, so he gets, he sets up behind Dan, not Dan, uh, behind Jim to play the Shaker into like yes. a mic there. Yep. And those two children join him also playing Shakers, and when you look at the two children... They look 
I don't know, a fair bit like Dave Bryson. So oh, that's <laughs> when you look funny. at them, I think these were two Dave's two kids uh, yeah, they're joining them on, on tour. Summer break. Yep, yep, on exactly. summer break. And uh, it was a very nice moment to watch him lead them Aww. in doing the shaker bit on Big Yellow Taxi. It was actually, it was really sweet because it's, you know, he's yeah, that's cool. had them practice. He's like, look, we're going to get this right, guys. But, we're going to get but, this right. By the way, not to make a big deal about it, but but Big Yellow Taxi is, is they don't play it that often. They do play it occasionally. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of quote unquote fans that think they're hardcore don't like, this song and the cover i always i not only like the song but i actually like the live version of it i think it's a fun little song yeah i actually and it's one of those songs that i think as it it became i think there was a time period where they were playing it kind of all the time oh right and now it's kind of like eh, half and half one out of every three like it's yeah if that if that yeah Yeah, it, it comes up in the acoustic section but it's definitely not every show anymore and I, in part, that sort of made me appreciate it a little bit more because when you don't hear it a little bit and you hear it again, you're like, actually, this is a really good arrangement of this song. It's actually a really cool version that they do of this song, and they really do play it very, very well. Did you notice I actually it? Like the live version, much more so than the the recorded version, always sounded a little, um, a little flat to me. I don't know. It didn't. Yep. It didn't. Nope. Doesn't pop I, off the table with me. But I really like live, and especially the way they played over the last few years. I I really like it. Yep. No, I like it better live. Do you ever notice that they always have fun with that song too? Mm. That they, that's one yeah. of the songs that they really enjoy playing, and that's why I also like to see it live because I know they're having fun doing it. Okay. Yeah, and it's one of those songs. I think it's like a. It works for them having fun, right? There's yes. something about that song. I was. I think they talked about this uh, on the last episode about sometimes with Sullivan Street. Sometimes when the song is a little too sad and they're having fun, it's almost a little, <laughs> yes, yes, it's almost a little bit of a weird juxtaposition, but yes. that song you're like, Oh, they're having a good time. I'm having a good time. And we're just all having, we're all having a nice time at the beach. Um, from here, they did round here, uh, which has, there's an, an, an outro they've been doing. They still haven't been doing an alt in the middle. I have noticed by the way, there's a, the there's a they've done something different. I think this is mostly in the rhythm section. I think this is in Jim and Millard. Um, coming out of the the middle part, there's a there's they're doing something different that's sort of kicking the song up in a different way. It's on the the um she looks up at the buildings, she says she's thinking to jump in that that piece. They're kind of they have found a kind of like kind of funkier groove of of like pulling that bit upwards. That's really interesting. When you're when you listen to uh, any round here from this tour, keep it keep an ear out for that because it's actually been. I really like it. I think it's a nice addition to the song and something that I again I think is new, uh, unless I was missing it in the last year or two. Um, but yeah, they're doing an outro where Adam talks about getting in a car, um, and driving. Uh, it's kind of similar to the come outside thing a little bit, but different. Um, uh, I like it. I, 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 it's a, it's kind of a nice, uh, it's a nice coda to the song. Um, part of me, it makes part of me wants, it makes me want to go do some karaoke and try to drop right. that into the middle. <laughs> Cause it's kind of, it, there's like, it's a, it's a little bit, I'm like, I can, I could even already having heard it a bunch of times, like listening to shows in this tour. I'm like, I think I've got this in my ear. I think I could do uh walk up to the uh walk up and start doing this on uh at a karaoke stage um from there they went into the suite um which um was good i like i mean it's 
we've talked a little bit about this, right? I'm a big believer that I'm, I'd be really into seeing them start to break up the suite so that it's not a 20 minute block that has to, with their, they're either going to play it or not. Cause I think all the songs kind of stand on their own. Um, and I, yeah, think- I was, I was almost going to save this to where maybe we talk about the tour in general, but, but I, I guess let's bring it up now that I yeah. love the suite. I've seen it live. I'm, I understand that. In fact, I just heard him talk about it in the, that other podcast about 24 questions on Bandsplain. I don't know if you caught that, but oh, I have not anyway, listened to that one yet. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I, and it, but he, he's very proud of this and, and, and someone kind of joked, Oh, why is he still playing it? Does he want to sell more copy? One is, I think they like playing it. He's just really yeah. proud of it. And he kind of does want to sell it, but not for the money, right? He wants actually people to listen to it because he's so proud of the work. That said, it is what in 2021 is when they did when they had the butter sweet miracle yep. tour at uh, our butter miracle uh, tour and then 2022 and now we're kind of guess in the third year of it so i do like hearing the songs but i i i i hope at some point they are comfortable splitting them up because you said they could play just one or two of those and they would stand on their own yeah i, I think bobby and the rat kings could be an encore song I think the tall grass would be a really cool opener, but yes. something my mind goes to yes. the have you seen me part. It goes in. I'd love to see them play that into have you seen me lately would be really cool. And cause they used to, um, I sound like I'm being creative, but they, they did like slow songs and then had you le- the the rock version of have you, have you seen me lately? Sorry. Uh, second, a bunch of times. I think it's, I, probably at different times. I, I think about, I think the 2007 tour, they did it a bunch, but they, they've done it other times. I really like that. And I think the tall grass into that would sound really cool. And I think, yeah. I, I just don't want the songs. I think the songs are great. And I think sometimes like relegating them to that. Yeah, um, I, it was I, actually really interesting seeing, you know, again, we had chairs and stuff. So a lot of people sat down at the beginning of the suite and a lot of people stood up in the middle of Angel of 14th Street. So there is okay. something about like, they're kind of like winning the crowd back <laughs> midway through. Oh, that's interesting. The, the that they kind up. of picking up again. You know, that's interesting that that's the song that they stood up for. Okay, interesting. Yeah, kind of because that's when this, the 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 record kind of the the the, the suite the record it's whatever uh, picks up uh, some steam. And I always like again. I I think there's something really nice. The Bobby and the Rat Kings is a, obviously a very self aware song, um, but it is nice to stand uh, with your significant other at the concert. Uh, in the that middle part where uh, uh, she turns to kiss me, or you can kiss someone, and you say, uh, "Sometimes memories are all that we've got, so let's go make some at the show." Right, which right, is right. Yeah, in the literal sense, is what you are doing in that moment. Um, I should I should shout out that that was your thing. I I love. It's funny with the the the, sh- the songs that like get kind of repeated a lot. Like if I'm like listening to a show, I may not always listen to Colorblind. But it's a nice moment to sit next to my wife. We both love that song. We love that together. Like yes. I'm always, I'm never going to say no to hearing that song in person. Right. I'm, I'm uh, you know, on that. So I'm similar uh, to you. And I have some other thoughts on the suite that I'll get to when we talk about the Troubadour show. But yeah, yeah. great. Um, and then Rain King and Long December to close it out. Rain King sounded, uh, again, they've been they've been pretty short on that song, uh, but it sounded it sounded great, and the energy in it is is so great. Um, I, I miss the longer versions, but at the same time, it's st- that song still sounds great. And I, it's, <laughs> it's always nice. If it, and maybe it lets allows kind of what Adam said a year or so ago, that maybe not having the longer versions allows him to put one extra song in. 
Right. I, I, I think that is part of it, right? I mean, literally, I think basically he was saying that evening where he's like, I've promised so many songs to people. I've got to chop and cut and like, I've got too many songs in the set list. And yeah, if if Rain King is five and a half minutes instead of eight, and even like, you know, round here is six and a half instead of eight. Well, together, that's a whole other song. So I do see the other, the balance to that. Um uh, yeah, it looked like you and, saw one of the. It, it, it cut you off, but but I sure. saw that on the set list um, on the on the internet. It, it doesn't have elevator boots, and I only say that because then it looks like you had a total of twenty two songs, which is on the higher right. They they average twenty, sometimes twenty one. I've seen as low as nineteen generally, but twenty two, right? You got an extra song in there somewhere. So yeah, yeah, that's a good point because yeah, they have been right at like twenty nineteen. I think there was one or two that were even. A little bit less than that. Yeah, maybe early on the tour. And and to be honest, that's kind of where it's been for, I think, more than a decade now. I mean, I, I generally, they're a 20-song band uh, live. Yeah. So, yeah, you got a couple extra songs in there. And they played, I mean, just for, from a time perspective, right, they played uh, almost exactly two hours. I think a, a few minutes shy of that, which is a great, I mean, to me, that's a headlining set. Yes. There was time periods where they were only playing 80, 90 minutes or an hour 40. Right. And they're playing, they came on at 9? And they played really basically up until curfew at 11. Um, okay. So the uh, – well, and we'll talk about it here. We'll talk – this will, I guess it's a, a point generally about the tour. So um, they've been after well, – we'll talk about why they've been playing the song in a sec. But um, they've been playing time and time again a lot at the beginning of the encore. I really love that song. I, and they've been years since they played it, seven years. And uh, they didn't play it last night, I think because they were short time. I, I Like I looked at my, at my watch – um, when they went to the encore and I was like, dude, there's 18 minutes left four songs. That's not enough. That's not enough time. And it's funny. Cause it's like, as someone who says, I would love to see them change the set list more. It would be really hypocritical of me to complain about them changing the set list in a way, <laughs> but, but I would have been, I would have been good to see time. And but time that's again. the song that they brought back on this tour. It's almost the only new song that they did not play last year at all. And you love that song. And you said your wife loves that song. She loves right? that song too. But yeah. That, that would have been nice. Um, so we'll, we'll, we'll see. Maybe I'll get to see time and time again, but not Sullivan street when I kind of have, I it, think you, know. you will. I, I, well, and again, I think they seem to be in the mood to play it. But the one thing I was thinking about in the way out was like, you're saying, Oh, they're playing again on this tour. When they started playing Butterfly in Reverse again, I thought to myself, oh, they're going to play this for a couple months and they'll probably forget about it. And we're two years in on them playing Butterfly in Reverse at most shows. So I maybe this is a sign time and time again is going to be there for a long time. And That's I don't really probably need true. To. It's probably they're true. going to play it time and time again. Yep. Um, it is ironic, though, that they had to cut time and time again for... Right, and for <laughs> and, and and for the dashboard, but I guess what you're about to say is that that that's not a, a good replacement. Is that they are playing that so long, so long? I really like that. So yeah, they, they the other the next song they've been playing it every night almost at, once they started playing it on this tour. That the dashboard confessional song, so long, so long, that features Adam. Um, they've been playing that every night in this tour. I think two things about that. First, I really like that song. Um, Quite frankly, I really like that song, like, kind of leaps and bounds more than other Dashboard Confessional songs I've heard. And again, I've not heard every Dashboard Confessional song, but I definitely, that is definitely my favorite Dashboard Confessional song that I've heard. So I'm happy to hear them play it. I, I think it really highlights Adam's skill as 
not like a backing vocalist, but as a complimentary vocalist. He, you know, I, I love both of it. I, I was thinking about this last night, knowing we were going to record today. I love him as both a complimentary vocalist and a background vocalist. Mm. I, to this day, I, <laughs> I don't. I guess just because I'm a Crows fan, but I love his la da 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 sha na anything sha da da la di da like you know when he when he does those um, right supplemental plus when he has a, a voice uh, uh, sorry a line on his own um, yeah I, oh yeah, yeah I mean I love him backing I, I mean he's doing backing vocals on like Sixth Avenue heartache and I I love that song and I yeah love and he's on he that Ryan that Adams song too um, yeah on answering bell yeah a- answering bell yeah I just I just think yeah he 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 knows what to do he, he he's he fits his role perfect on these. Yeah, because he and funny he'll he'll like uh he'll he'll be self-deprecating about that because he's like oh um you know because he's done like podcasts about like backing vocals on songs he's like oh well you know I'm you know it's just me she's like Cheryl Crow on right, American right. Girl she's a she's a professional and I'm like I don't know dude you're you're real good at this yeah um, no yeah I hate to fanboy it but I I think that's one of his his skills is knowing exactly maybe because he has thought a lot about right his own vocals as a lead singer but i think he's great well the arrangement is really intricate and i think the original arrangement of the song is a fairly i think interesting and intricate arrangement but one of the things i also know the second thing i know is like having not seen the video of them playing it yet they are Mm -hmm. having a great time because it's both whole bands and so jim and millard are up front singing backing vocals because the dashboard confessional drummer and bassist are playing drums and bass on the song yeah, so that's kind of interesting to see Jim and Millard out front, um, and Adam is singing. There's a backing vocalist in Dashboard Confessional, and she is singing with Emmy on mic, and then Adam is kind of joining them, and they're kind of like they're doing a lot. There's a lot of like fun energy to the song, and I think again, I think the arrangement sounds great. I think it's such a it's a really really good song. It reminds me what he does in that song reminds me. Have you you've heard have you heard the the holiday in Spain? Yeah, it's exactly what I was going to say. Yeah, he, well, yep. he takes at the end the other guy, uh, Pascal, is singing yes. the main part of the end of the song. Yeah, and he goes off on this thing about like, you know, making the best of all that's left of me, and he goes off this whole mm. other thing, and it's like so good, it's so like good. it's amazing, yep. and that's what kind of what this song reminds me of, and just the way they kind of I. And I actually think I think Chris Carab is a great vocalist. He's like he has a yes. really nice strong voice, and like. Anyway, I really, I'm really, it's funny, I was talking to someone about that, like, ah, they're playing that song every night, and I was like, I don't know, like, they're not going to keep playing that song if they're not on tour with Dashboard Confessional. Yeah, this so is it. This, this is, is your it. one yeah. or two opportunities to see them play this song together. Absolutely. I actually, although I will know, I realized I saw them play this at Town Hall in 2007, I guess not, oh. maybe not long after it was released. Chris Carrabba showed up um, at the, the, the show that was recorded for a DVD is actually the, the DVD is only one part of the show. Um, it's the first part where they play August and everything after straight through. Um, oh no, I'm wrong. I'm just looked at this. He, Chris Carabba came out, but they did not play so long, so long. Okay. I don't know why I was thinking. I just pulled up the set list. <laughs> but I did see that they had played it before the show. I don't know. They if have it was played it at some show. point. Yeah. Um, did you get to, I guess this is the time to, mentioned did you did you watch um dashboard and their entire opening i did set? we got there okay. basically right when they started um they were solid again um they were um they played for like a almost exactly an hour okay um normal, yeah. for fans that want to get prepared um they seem to be playing basically the same set every night 
right. give or take like a song. So if you want to be like, I'm going to go listen to the songs that they're going to play, um, you absolutely can do that and sort of prepare yourself for that. And a lot of their singles, it looks like, plus it a couple seems of like, their, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I thought they were, I thought they were solid. They didn't totally move me. I thought the, um, I, I, in terms of like Crow's openers, I kind of placed them like kind of in the the middle side, like not like below, certainly not among my favorites and kind of below some, some of the bands that I was surprised. Like I, like I personally, I really liked Maroon 5 um, and I really liked, um, I liked like Matchbox 20. I had never seen Matchbox 20. I was like, that's kind of okay. cool. I actually got to see Matchbox. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have gone to buy a Matchbox 20 ticket. So I placed them kind of below there and certainly below like my favorites, like Augustana and Daniel and the Lion and Field Report. And You, you know um, what's interesting about that? But ab- above live. Definitely above okay. live. Um, well, that's funny. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I have a bit of a soft spot for live being that, you know, about my age. And I kind of saw them when they were first starting once. And I'm also from Pennsylvania originally. But uh, the, the Dashboard, one thing that kind of cracks me up about them, I guess, is that like kind of grows are not the definitive nineties band, but when you listen to like August and even recovering, you get that nineties feeling, I guess mm-hmm. a little bit, if you know what I mean? The one thing that I think in some ways dashboard confessional is such an early 2000 band. Yeah. Like they're almost like, the, and I, I actually like that sound, I guess. Mm-hmm. Doesn't it feel like you should be watching like a, a, a teen film or something and they would be the soundtrack in the back. They do uh, have, uh, you have uh, a very, it's like that, that sort of the band, especially the full band sound is yeah. very much that emo sound of the early aughts. Yeah. Emo it's rock, very yeah. like, it's interesting. It's Adam has talked about on this tour. He's like, man, I've been trying to get this tour to happen for 20 yes. years. And he's actually very sweet. He's talking, he talks about how like, um, on a bunch of shows he's talked, he didn't talk to this last night, but he's talked about how, um, their, uh, uh, dashboard sort of inspired him in the sense that um an, they're another band that is sincere yes. right at a time in the early 2000s where bands that were very like aloof and ironic were very popular dashboard was a band that was singing about their feelings and and doing well at it so i see that kind of crossover yes but it kind of hit me one of the reasons why you can do this tour now at amphitheaters is in part because dashboard confessional songs sorry dashboard confessional fans are now old enough to be in the same demographic yes <laughs> county gross fans that they've been a band long enough that you can do the hey it's 20 because it, i mean the biggest dashboard songs are about 20 years old at this point a little under i think but in the same way that again now you can do like i mean uh, Death Cab for Cutie and uh, the Postal Service, which is obviously the same guy, but they're right. doing those two records, the 20th anniversary, and playing like Madison Square Garden because, again, the people who were in college when those records came out are now right. We know, talked in about <laughs> we talked about Crows being like a coming of age band in in the beginning, especially that that right. You could have come of age of Counting Crows and you were 19 and a young adult, and then but also with Dashboard Confessional, right when they were big, maybe you were I don't know 29 or 30. You were so you were still a young adult. Maybe you didn't settle down yet, right, and all that kind of stuff. So right, yeah, okay, yeah. No, it's uh. Yeah, and then and they finished out with uh, hanging around as as one would expect, and then holiday in Spain, um, you know, um, which is always always a nice way to sort of to close things out. And then Adam sang a little bit of California Dreaming as he's wont to do, as he as as he's been doing now for probably twenty years almost. Yeah, right? long time. I, I it's kinda, nice. 
Yeah, I like it. I like it. I, yeah, I think he started that with the hard candy tour, but I could be wrong about that. I, I think I that's think it's when, around but... there. Yeah, there was because there was a period where California Dreamin' was their walk on music for a little bit. Right. I think that's the TDL tour where they were like they were. He was using his walk on music. I, th- um, I I think you're correct about that. Okay. Do you have other? Um... Well, I, I I guess we can talk a little bit about the Banshee tour in general, if you don't have any other uh, last thoughts yeah. about the. No, no, I will also say just nice to say hi to all my uh, the the Crows fans I've known a long time, like Nicole and Wendy. They were all they were in the first row, so they were right, <laughs> right. They're like, oh, hey, now, how's it going? Do you keep now Eric, these people that you only see at the Crows, like you always see them at the New York Crow shows, or do you know them outside of that? I feel like we mostly see each other at Crow shows, but that we're all, you know, social media friends and and say hi and in in pass, you know, not not necessarily we're best friends, but you know that we uh, we say hi um, in between the tours. But then, yeah, it's like when when the tour is happening, uh, and that's part of actually. It's the nice thing about having like being at a venue where there's seats, because sometimes like if you're at like a general admission venue and you don't get there as early as your friends. You don't go right. say hi to your friends unless you're a dickhead and you're going to try to push through. <laughs> so it's nice to be like, hey, we're sitting near each other and we can say hi and chat for a few minutes between sets and uh, enjoy the show. Oh, that, that That's great. All right. Um, yeah, hopefully they are listening to Sullivan Street, right? And we'll get the uh, we'll get the word out that way at our with our friends at the shows next to us, or people yeah. <laughs> sitting and standing next to us at the shows. Um, okay, so, so any... Thoughts about the uh, Banshee tour in general? You with set list. I mean, you mentioned about the set list, and I know there's been a lot of social media talk about whether the band should change up their set list. And I appreciate what you said about you know if you're discussing the Crows live nowadays, separating. If you have thoughts about the set list, that's different than how are they sounding? Because I think I said to you off mic before we started this podcast um, a month ago, I said, when I saw them three times in Europe last year, I said, I thought that was the best they sounded live, you know, since I've known them almost. Mm-hmm. I, I think that in some ways they're a polished act uh, with some of these songs. Now, maybe that's one reason that they like playing some of the same songs because they kind of have, to, they know what to do. They know what to get the crowd and they know what, what notes to hit, so to speak. Um, you, you, I mean, one thing I do want to say, I, I don't think anybody, given my career background in numbers, th- this is something I almost had to do and something I did before the tour last year. And you were talking about Butterfly in Reverse, for instance, that they play that all the time. I mean, one thing worth noting is the constraint. So if they're playing 20 songs a night, right now on this tour, they basically have 14 songs that are set. That So I don't know if people have realized that. Now, they might take away one of these every so often, but in general, they are always playing Mr. Jones, Round Here, ranking and omaha from the first album mm-hmm. there that's four songs they're 100 percent going to play long december that's the yep. only song that he has said on record i will always play that song unless i tell you otherwise then from uh then they've been playing colorblind and hanging around basically every time i think there mm-hmm. might have been one or two they didn't play colorblind but in general they've always played that and they've been ending uh oh so as you said they've been playing holiday in spain mm-hmm um and butterfly in reverse so now we're up to nine on this tour they're gonna play um oh sorry i yeah and then in, in this tour they're gonna play so long so long yep 
and then you have the four songs from the suite. So I might have done that wrong, but in general, I think I, I, that's fourteen yeah. songs right there. And, and time and time again, like has they played that a? It's not quite every night. They've played that a lot. Miami, they've played a lot. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, I have I have a list of the all. I guess the only reason yeah. I didn't mention those because even on last year's tour, so I saw them three times in Europe. Mm-hmm. They played all fourteen of those songs as well. So right. it's basically that they're playing fourteen, and then they have a list of like let's just say another fifteen that they're rotating right. in six out of those fifteen. Yeah, they have cut the suite a couple of times. So obviously, well, let's maybe a couple of times. Well, let's get to the, the elephant in the room, right? So they cut the suite a couple of times over the last week or two. If you look, you'll see a couple of set lists. I noticed they, that the day before. I, 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 they did, yeah, I the day before. In, um, I did in, not notice that actually, except for when, when, you know, Dan was out and we'll talk about that, but I didn't actually know until this morning that they had cut it out. Is there, was there any reason for not having it in the day I before? I think just or? time. I think okay. I, it's my, my, my impression is just time that there, that if you're going to play the whole suite, that's about 20 minutes. And if you hit the wrong part in the set and you go, shoot, I will, <laughs> you, you, if you have to cut more than one song, you basically have to cut the suite, right? Yeah. That's the easiest thing to cut. So I think that has happened um, a, couple a couple times. And we times should bring up the show. elephant. We, we were almost yeah. 50 minutes in yeah. and we haven't mentioned uh, Dan got COVID guys. <laughs> so, <laughs> Right, it was really interesting as a Crows fan to see and see them adapt and that not cancel a show that they're, I guess you would say, lead guitarist. I, I know you really certainly have to call one of them, guitarist. right? Yeah, yeah. I, I know that Amy does a lot, but I would call Dan their lead guitarist. That, um, yeah, that he was out for was it three shows or something? Three like shows, that? three shows. Okay. So Omaha, and they had kind of a break. I think that's part of why it was only three: Omaha, Indianapolis, and Cincinnati. And so, if you haven't gone back and listened. For those who are listening, maybe you haven't listened to any of those shows. Very interesting shows because not only could they not play the suite because that really involved all the guitarists, but there's, they, as Adam talked about very specifically, there's a lot of songs that really require three guitarists, right? Yes. It's not even a question of um, someone learning Dan's part. It's, no, these songs are now built for three guitarists, and it's really hard to take out that one part and still have a com- what they feel is a complete song. So as a result, the set list leaned very heavily on the first two records. The first record, because Dan wasn't even a member of the band when it was recorded. He joined almost immediately after for touring. Yep. And then the second record, because Immy was not a full member of the band at that point. So right. if you go back, those most of those songs are still essentially two guitarists on it. Um, and so while Immy can sort of pick up and add things, you know, they can kind of play around a little bit more so than they can with um, almost any of the other songs, which at that point, once you get to this desert life, it's a three guitarist group um, all the way through. And I thought those shows, so it's interesting. I think the shows, uh, they kind of got better as they went along. I guess that's not surprising because they were, um, hadn't rehearsed like that. And, did, um, and didn't they hint that, that I guess it's true that w- it wasn't like Dan was sick for a couple days. And it was like that they found out right before, right? Like a couple hours before the show. The, they made the it story that like. Adam told was that um, Dan was feeling a little bit under the weather. Well, sorry. Adam tells the story where he walks in and in the dressing room, there's a COVID, a positive COVID test on the table. And Adam's right. like, who's positive COVID test is this? And Dan's like, he's like, who? And finally figures out, Dan's like, oh, I took a test because I was feeling a little in the weather, but it came out negative. And he's like, 
you might want to check that one again. <laughs> and it turns out that Dan apparently was, I guess, uh, it just took a lot of time to see that Dan was positive with COVID. Apparently relatively mild, it sounds like. <laughs> and, um, and we'll just say, by the way, that this was almost exactly one week after I met him, which is pretty interesting. <laughs> uh, we're going to bed with the, uh, and hanging, when he was hanging out with his friends. Um, um, but, but it's worth saying, though, too, not only did they they focus on August and, re- and recovering, but they also, of course, did some acoustic Emmy thing like Blues Run the Game, which was always Adam and Emmy and right. Friend of the Devil. I guess doesn't require Dan either. So yeah, yeah, they didn't. It wasn't that it was nothing from the later records. There was a couple things they played. If I could give them all my love on those, they still played oh, Miami. They right. played Washington Square. I guess they were able to work around it with those. But um, I mean, if you haven't listened to any of those shows, there's a full video of the Omaha show up on uh, YouTube. You, if you don't want to pay for now, right? Um, <laughs> But there's, um, yeah, it's a pretty, it's interesting. It's really interesting to hear them because you really can kind of hear the, it's very subtle, but you can hear, especially on, again, a song like Richard Manuel or these other songs where like there's a piece missing. Your ear, it's not so obvious that you're like, wow, you're down a guitar. Um, but you're like, oh, there's a texture that's missing somewhere I, in here. Yeah, I think I noticed it on Recovering the Satellites. Mm. Which yeah. is funny because it's from back then, but but I, I get, you know, maybe before Emmy was a full band member, but just something, the way they play it live. It, and I think that song actually really benefits by the third guitar, uh, from the yeah. third guitar. Yeah. And it's, it's become, yeah, the way they play it live, it's become such a guitar-driven song. It always was, but I feel like now yeah. it's really particularly driven by the guitars. No, um, right. but I really like the, I think if you're going to listen to one, I think the Cincinnati show was the best one. Um, again, not surprising because that was the third one and they had had practice playing those songs the set list are all either the same or very very close so if you're picking it's not unreasonable to say i'm going to pick one and just listen to that one all the way through if you're not listening to every show um that is when they started playing time and time again that kind of got them back into it otherwise all the other songs they played that they had not been playing regularly were still songs that had been in the list last year like anna begins they played um they played recovering and catapult um so there was, um, it, it was different, obviously, but Mrs. not Mrs. Potter's. The the only yeah. one that I that I and again, it's not like I've looked at every single set list in the last three weeks. But the only I think exception uh, is I think I saw High Life on one of them, and that I don't think they played for a couple of years. So I, I would love to see that live. High Life, they played. I see the thing. The, the reason why it seems like they pulled that out though is that they were playing the Miller High Life Theater oh, in Milwaukee. Okay, so maybe so so sometimes they do tailor it, yeah. They, it, according to setlist.fm, they played it twice last year. Okay. And twice right. in 2021. So it's, okay. it's, in, it's on the list, but at, they're definitely at the bottom of the list. Okay, th- thank you. I didn't know they played it last year at all. So, all right. It's, it's hard. Just... It's easy. I, it's funny. It's with some of those songs where they don't play, it's, if you're again, if you're not like stalking it, and that's why setlist.fm is wonderful because it does it does remind you of these things. You're like, oh yeah, they did play it. <laughs> you know, the one knock I am gonna say about their I mean, listen, we can talk about there's definitely some songs that they should throw in there. I mean, I guess I don't mind saying now. When you talked about splitting the sweets, I, I guess there's a my only two really thoughts is that yes, there are some I, I mean, I love that they brought Butterfly in Reverse back mm-hmm. originally. I thought this is so cool that they're playing this. After two years now, I'm like, does it have to be played every show? Even if he loves his girlfriend, eh, part of me thinks you can just rotate it in and out like Anna Begins. 
Um, I also love, love, love um, Holiday in Spain, but sometimes I think, right, that doesn't have to to close. In fact, I was going to mention that at, at maybe later when we talk about It's been like a decade now shows. Of, yeah. that, of that really closing every show. Yeah, so, uh, but the one, one thing I will say, and uh, that... I think the way they're playing their concerts now, they're not playing many of their hard songs. Hmm. Now, I think some of those now, is that also because of the sound? Because they're the, the audience, I'm not sure. Are those songs a struggle for him to sing? He, As I said, I saw them play 1492 live last year and they hadn't played it in like a decade. And he said, actually mentioned that it was tough for him to sing. Would Angels of the Silences and Have You Seen Me Lately take a lot out of him? And maybe that's why he doesn't do it. I'm not sure. But yeah, you could argue that the hardest song that they play now is Catapult. And that's almost it, right? I mean, I, you know, is Round Here almost their second hardest song? Yeah, I mean, um, you can hear. It's actually interesting listening to him kind of every night. Because I saw some comments somewhere about feeling like Adam wasn't pushing the vocals. And I could kind of hear what they were saying on that show. And then the next night I listened it was like, well, he's kind of pushing harder this one. Maybe he just was having a bad night. But yeah. I'm with you. I do think there's I, – I think part of what happened maybe is that we are still, in a sense, coming out of COVID. Um, it's hard to remember that, again, they didn't play for two-plus years. And you got to think they ramped up to start playing at the, in the fall of 2021. Yeah. And I think kind of notably – Adam talked about that at the time of like it was harder to ramp up than he remembered. Right, you know, he was like, "Wow, it was harder than I thought to, um, to get back to this." I thought I thought some of these songs were in my bones, and they, there, there, they, I, they weren't there. So I think that's part of it. Maybe is that they're still kind of adding stuff back a little bit, um, yeah. and yeah, maybe they pick some of the easier songs as they were coming back, and they just kind of haven't gone back. I would really, I would like to see them revisit recovering the satellites. They've talked a little bit about maybe doing like an expanded edition of that record, which maybe okay. that would, I, cause I really love a lot of those songs. I also think I was thinking about this, that a lot of, and I'll talk, we can talk way more about this on like an episode about the show. All those songs are about disconnection and feeling disoriented, which yeah. man, I, I mean, don't we all feel that way after the last three years? Right. Like, don't, I was thinking about like, have you seen me lately? And I was like, man, have we all seen each other lately? Yeah. <laughs> Kind or, of, yeah, or like, even or even dislocation from somewhere under Wonderland. Mm, yeah. So, so I, I guess I'm thinking that that those and that right that that none of, that most of somewhere under Wonderland is kind of harder guitar driven rock and certainly the first half of sat well the Saturday nights portion right like insignificant or hanging tree. I guess there's part of me I know they're probably tough to sing but there's this part of me that thinks and as you said recovering the satellites I'd like to see maybe one or two more quote unquote yeah. harder songs but besides that I'm actually fairly happy with their set list and you have to think for you know what percent of that audience either doesn't it, right? doesn't know crows that well uh, only knows them or bought just their major albums and they do want to play Mr. Jones around here and and, and, and I guess the logic is to if you that Adam's thinking hey if I play five of my seven most popular hits right that then i can put the suite in that's, that might, that's I think the that, trade-off that's a fair point that may be part of it too is i'm if i'm putting the suite in i should also give them mr jones right if i'm playing if i'm playing 20 minutes straight of new material i'm going to make sure to give them 
the other hits. Right, because even um, people that have all of their LPs might not have bought the suite, for instance. Right. So, yeah. And I also think there's a little bit of, like, again, I think about the, the COVID, the coming out of COVID mindset of, like, look, these people were brave, like, in 2021, still braving it a little bit, right? Coming out to a concert, I don't want to disappoint anyone by not playing Mr. Jones, right? right? Like, I don't want anyone to be like, I wore a mask and I dealt with all these difficult things and I didn't, I, I came to a show and I didn't hear Mr. Jones and that sucks. It's like, no, let's give let's give that to them. Yeah, um, yeah. Although speaking of, you know, uh, braving it being in, in like a smaller clubs, uh, we should, oh, one thing I want to say before we get to, yeah. before, I want to get to yours. I do kind of wish they'd done a couple more Adam and Emmy songs when they had the opportunity. I always kind of liked the two of them as a duo. Oh, you like? Okay. I know they Blues won the game. It would have been nice if they'd done, they could have done one or two more. They okay, could have pulled out a couple of interesting little things there. Missed opportunity in my mind. Oh, do you mean been. when Dan was out? When Dan was out. I yeah. think it would have been cool to be like, hey, we're going to play like a duo version of um, of any, really name a song. We're going to play it like a, a duo version of uh, of Round Here or something or whatever. Just just because they've done shows like that um, or, you know, they've done with the suite, right? They did like elevator boots. I think just the two of them, like, yes, we're going to play elevator boots. Just the two of us. tonight. Oh, okay. That would yeah. have been cool anyway. And as much as I love uh, D- uh, Dan, I mean, he's so vital to the kind of crows. I had this big smile on my fa- face when Bryson was getting a lot of focus mm. on those couple shows and just even them joking about it, right? Like they're on the on one show, Adam was like teasing that even before Dan was sick, Bryson was writing me. And I love that they call him Bryson, which <laughs> just cracks me up. Bryson was writing me and saying, play more August songs. And he's like, that's because Bryson, that's here's a Bryson, list of songs we can right? play. <laughs> and he's like, that's because Bryson just wants to lead and solo more songs. Or <laughs> it just cracked me up. And, and uh, I, I was enjoying seeing him as a change of pace on the, can, can, I know we have to move on, but that's fine just because it's so unique to talk about. But it got me thinking. And, mm-hmm. and Dan is so vital to their sound. And I would mm. argue he is their true lead guitar player, even though Emmy does a lot of solos and maybe writes more music now and all that kind of stuff. But it, it did get me thinking, like, who's not replaced? But, you know, you know, that, for example, I like Charlie a lot. If Charlie was sick... Could they actually still like how could they actually play? You know what band that members could they? One. That's you're right, and people won't think of it. They're like, oh, you can just play guitars and drums and bass, and but not really. Charlie's so vital to so many songs. Of course, yeah, you, need the, you need the drums unless you're going to have an entire acoustic show. Um, but that's the thing. I think without the drums, you could go all acoustic. Yeah, with Charlie on piano, and because they've done like some when they they've did done, some yeah. of the um. The, the secret shows for the Outlaw Road show, yes. the lineup was Adam, Emmy, Dan, and Charlie. That's they 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 have sets that are the that four piece. Okay. Um so if you were missing Millard or Jim and you were like, we've got to basically go kind of full acoustic. Right. They've again, they don't use that all the time, but they've got they've got enough in their pocket that they could be like, we could work up a full show like that. I, yeah. They know you're right. I think Charlie is weirdly I think he's the, MVP. the hardest one. I think he's the MVP except for Adam. Of course you need Adam singing unless they're going to play an instrumental. Yeah. Concert. The guitar is uh, well, and the thing about the guitar is right. It's not that they're not great. It's just that there's three of them. Yes, exactly. And, and right. You have three. So you could survive with two guitar, right? A lot of bands have one or two. So, 
Um, okay, do you want to, just because you know a lot about it, I think this is a perfect time before we get into our Hollywood shows. Do you want to mention about Nugs and this? Because oh, you we said should. you subscribe. Yes. Yeah, please. I'm a, so, so, Nug, so Nugs.net is um, it's a live music. Uh, well, it's a live music website, right? You can purchase shows on there, but they also have a streaming service. And uh, in 2021, the Crows have sold uh, MP3s of shows through there for a very, very long time, on and off. They did it in 2008. They've done it. They did some archive stuff with them, and then they did it 2014 through 18. Um, and they did it again in 2021, but Nugs now has a, a subscription service that the Crows are on. So if you pay, I think it's $10 a month for Nugs. I think I'm still on a, a promo thing from a while ago that I, uh, when I, when they, they, when they actually, when the Crows went on and were like becoming part of this, the streaming service, I think I paid X for a year and I, they've kept rolling that over. Um, but you can listen to, right, this tour, um, 2021 they skipped last year now this tour you can listen to every night on nugs and so and it's the generally the shows go up the day after which is actually better in the past they've been a little bit inconsistent about when the shows go up they've been pretty consistent about getting them up the day after on this tour um so if you want to follow along on the tour you can the sound quality is really really good um they're mixing they, they've been doing a little better job. If you go back to like the 2008 versions, you'll hear how like kind of dead silent it is when like Adam goes to offer the crowd the singing in Omaha and they've done a better job with mixing now where you can at least oh, kind okay. of hear, <laughs> hear that there's some crowd there. Um, but they're still, they're all sound boards. They all sound clean. Um, I like now, especially again, I talked about like, I like on my way to work, I'll put on the show and I'll notice what, what did they play last night? Where does it mm. seem like there was some banter and listen to what Adam's been talking about that night? And hey, they played "Come Around" last night. I love that song. I, um, that. I do love that song. <laughs> they've, been, they've played that a few times. And I it's saw always, that. Yeah, that one's always a pop. I, I was hoping they'd play that last night, but they played that on the other night. Okay. Um, I love that. I, I'll, I'll just say briefly. I love the uh, that song. Always makes me think of an ex. That the uh, the end part about uh, uh, you seen what you think. Uh, she says uh, all the things – one of the million lies she said is all the things you love are dead. But I've seen what she thinks is love, and it leaves me laughing. That is a very, very good line. Oh, that's true. Very, very good line and makes always makes me think of someone. Um, uh, yeah, I, but I recommend – and Nugs is great. Again, if you love other live music, there's a lot of other acts on there too. If you're a Bruce Springsteen fan or a Grateful Dead and Dead & Co. fan, if you like Fish, if you like um, – there's a lot of different people on there. The Almond Brothers. You could go. There's a lot of different, like significant amounts of live music on there. Right. It's if, not if just you pay your subscription just for crows. You're getting. Right. But you could also. That's the other thing. It used to be. It's like ten dollars a show for MP3s. If you're like, look, I want to maybe just buy the one show, but I want to listen. You could subscribe during the crows tour. Yep. Knock out all these shows as you're going along and then unsubscribe until the next tour. That was also an option. So Yeah, I did um, buy, as you said, I actually saw them in 2008 and I did mm. buy that show. I'm not sure I still have it, uh, but, but yeah. now it's I, there on Nugs. Yeah, it's the streaming right. right there. So that wraps up this episode of Sullivan Street where we talked about the Banshee tour in general and the Banshee Long Island show review. On the next episode, it's our Hollywood episode where Eric talks about his visit to Hollywood to see the Troubadour Banshee kickoff show. And we also look at the 1994 Whiskey A Go-Go Counting Crows show that was also in Hollywood. That's all in the next episode of Sullivan Street. Oh.